This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Right off the bat tonight, I want to take you back to the year 1951. That year, children were given more than any other time in previous history guitar lessons and sets of encyclopedias to improve their minds. The average family income was $3,700 per year, and people had money to spend on cars, so they became more luxurious and had more powerful engines with options like two-tone paint. And during this time, things like Turn signals were still an extra, and most drivers still used hand signals to tell other drivers which way they were going. Television continued to grow with popular performance programs like I Love Lucy, and the first tests for color television pictures were broadcast from the Empire State Building. In July of 1951, Alan Freed, the self-proclaimed King of the Moondoggers launched the Moondog House on WJWAM in Cleveland, Ohio. The nighttime program dedicated to playing rhythm and blues records, of which Freed makes the first known usage of the term rock and roll to refer to the music. As well, radio audiences were turning to The Saint. Now, the star of the show was Vincent Price. The Yale-educated Price began his Hollywood career as a promising young actor in films such as Laura, before becoming one of the world's best-known horror movie actors in films like The House of Usher, The Pit, and The Pendulum, and The Comedy of Terrors. In addition, Price was known for playing the role of Egghead in the 1966 Batman TV series. Price has stars on the Hollywood Walk of Fame for both television and film. And now... The episode on the saint entitled, The Tuba. The Adventures of the Saint, starring Vincent Price. Saint, based on characters created by Leslie Charteris and known to millions from books, magazines, and motion pictures. The Robin Hood of modern crime now comes transcribed to radio, starring Hollywood's brilliant and talented actor Vincent Price as The Saint. Hi, Mr. Templer. Theodore. Excuse me while I drag her in, huh? Drag her. Oh, okay. There she is in. Good. She is a very nice tuba, Mr. Templer. Um, Perhaps. I will take her out of the case now and... Theodore, if you lift that confounded thing to your lips, you're a dead man. You do not have to get violent, Mr. Templer. I don't. 
Theodore, you forget that on one occasion you trapped me. I have heard you play that thing. Well, I... I have never before nor since wanted to be deaf. Well, Mr. Templer, I have been practicing since then. Are you trying to tell me you now play better? Well, louder. Goodbye, Theodore. I have got a problem. I don't doubt it. But not what you think. It ain't the neighbors. Oh, they've all moved out, huh? The landlord nailed my windows down. He's a man of genius. My problem is something else. It would help if I... Keep away from that tuba. But I only want to play... I've never strangled anyone yet, but there can always be a first time. Okay, I won't demonstrate. But you heard me play. Five years of my life went down the drain on that unhappy day. What did I play for you? It had a title? Well, I guess it don't really matter. On account of I only know one piece, so... Well, anyways, that's what I played for Mr. Stanley. Who immediately and no doubt happily proceeded to return to Africa, yodeling for Livingston. Nah. Mr. Stanley is hard of hearing? No. He is a maniac? Nah. He hates music. No, he is the guy who owns a Stanley Casino, which is kind of upstate and is a very swanky roadhouse-type roadhouse. Oh, you had him tied to a chair. Mr. Templer, he asked me to play. He called me up and asked me to come over and play. And? And after he heard me play, he hired me. Oh? To do what? Sweep the roadhouse? To play the tuba in his band. You know, it doesn't happen very often, but tonight it's happened. Words have failed me. Not only has Mr. Stanley hired me, but he is going to pay me a hundred bucks a week. And not only is he going to pay me a hundred bucks a week, he also handed over a hundred bucks in advance. In cash. Hmm. Theodore, I suppose I should congratulate you. Oh, thanks. But what's your problem? Mr. Templer, I love to play the tuba. But I don't play it good, I know that. You're an honest man, Theodore. Even I sometimes can't stand the sounds I make. <laughs> Mr. Templer, nobody would pay me dough to play if it was legitimate. You may be right, Theodore. So what should I do? I still got the whole hundred bucks. Should I give it back to Mr. Stanley? What kind of a man is he, anyway, by reputation? From what I have heard around, he is a very big operator type. And I do not think he has had a reputation ever since he was expelled from reform school. Oh, why was he expelled? Oh, he lowered the tone of the place. Hmm. Theodore, when do you start working for him? I make my debut tonight. Debut? I see. So what I'm asking you, Mr. Templer, is will you please be there when I debut? That means there will be at least one friend of mine in the audience, and I got a feeling I am going to need a friend. You may be right, Theodore, but if the roadhouse is the kind of place most roadhouses are, the patrons will be thinking of other things than music anyway. Yeah, but suppose they think of murder. Mr. Templer. Yes, Louis? It ain't none of my business. Will that stop you? No. I didn't think it would. One of these days, I'm going to hail somebody else's cab. So then what happens to my wife and my six... No, no, don't, don't, don't say it. I haven't got a wife and six kids. You never will have if you don't keep your eye on the road. Up here in the country, what could I run into? A tree. True. Yeah, but Mr. Temple, I started to ask you something. You're going to the Stanley Casino. The Stanley Casino is in the country. Westchester, Louis. Yeah, well, the same thing. Also, the Stanley Casino is a very romantic place. Fellas take their girls there. Now, you're not uh, equipped with a girl, therefore... Why why... am I going there? To listen to a friend of mine play the tuba. Well, one thing you can say for that, it's different. It's also true. Yeah. Mr. Temple, I'm not saying I can understand why a guy would want to play a tuba in the first place. But maybe he's got a reason... But for somebody to voluntarily listen to him, then there's no excuse. (laughs) I'm fond of Theodore, Louis. I have a feeling he may be in trouble. Oh, that I can understand. You see, he must have been hired for a reason that has nothing to do with his tuba playing. 
Now, what it is, I can't imagine. Maybe you should have stopped them. I couldn't, Louie. With the job and... Oh, I don't know. Maybe I should have. Maybe not. I feel a little like Hamlet. Oh, this I got a feeling I'm going to regret. What do you mean you feel like Hamlet? He couldn't decide either. Of course, you remember his famous soliloquy. I think the children should ought to be sent to bed right now. The one that begins, tuba or not tuba, that is the question. Oh, it's a nice joint, Mr. Templer. So it is. Nice of you to ask me in to dinner. Can you afford it? Yeah, the prices are a little high. Though. My steak would have bought a cow. Yeah, perhaps, but it wouldn't have bought a floor show. And judging from the decor, the floor will shortly have plenty to show. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> Embarrassed, maybe, but surprised, no. Hey, look, the band is climbing into the bandstand. Yeah, I know. The only trouble is... Oh, I don't see no tuba. No Theodore, either. Maybe he got fired. Before he even started to play? No... Louie, um... Finished my dinner. Don't have to digest it for a while yet, so if you want to go pay a visit or something... I very definitely do. Come along. Okay. Only where are we going? Well, there's a door at the left of the bandstand. Several people have used it. We might try. Could be maybe an exit. Well, then the head waiter will stop it. Yeah, and he ain't, so... So we try it. Mm-hmm. Well, very nice hallway. Got walls on both sides. Yeah, not to mention a roof. No, light coming through the transom of that door up ahead. Mr. Templer, we're looking for Theodore? We're looking at the moment for anyone we can find. I don't hear much noise coming out of that room. This might be Stanley's office. Come in. Good evening, Mr. Uh, Stanley. Ah. Mm -hmm. Guests here, gentlemen? Yes. Well, of course, I'm always delighted to see guests in person, but... uh, I'm sure my head waiter will do anything to satisfy you. Tell me, uh, uh, does he employ the musicians for your orchestra? Are you musicians? Well, not exactly. We're interested in one of your musicians. That's all? Uh, which one? Theodore. Theodore Coogan. Coogan? Coogan. Hmm. Hmm. Well, I'm sorry, but the name isn't familiar. I, of course, I know all the boys in the band, of course. Uh, what does he play? He, uh, well, he insults the tuba. Tuba? Hmm. Well, I'm sorry, but we don't have a tuba in my band. What made you think your friend Theodore might be playing for me? A rumor. Well, I'm afraid it was an incorrect rumor. However, if your friend's a good man, you know, <laughs> the novelty might be worth something. Send him along to me and I'll... I'll see him. Well, that would be very nice of you. Only thinking of the casino, that's all. And now, uh, why don't you gentlemen run along and enjoy the floor show? Oh, thank you, thank you. That's exactly what we'll do. My apologies for having intruded. Not at all, not at all. It's a pleasure to meet you. Good night. Good night. Good night. Oh, real courtly type, huh? Mm, very. Come along, Louie. Hey, this ain't the way back to the floor. I know it isn't. We're not returning there. Why not? We don't approve of floor shows? It's not that. Back of the building would be around this hey, abandoned. Come on, Louie. We'd better go back. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Templer. I could lend you a few bucks if you're short and you're trying to duck the dinner bill, you know. Thanks, Louie, but it isn't money I'm worrying about at the moment. This leads right back to the casino floor, which is bad. Therefore, we're left with... Uh, yeah, that staircase. We go up quickly. Okay, up. Of course, we don't know what's upstairs, but at least we may not be expected there. Is that good? Better than what's likely to happen downstairs. 
What makes you think something's liable to happen downstairs? The instant I mentioned Theodore to Stanley, he casually pressed a button at the side of his desk. A button which I suspect is his equivalent for a danger signal. Danger to who? I'm afraid, Louis, to us. Turning the landing and... Another hallway. I'll have to try. Another door on this side. Also locked. So far, all this upstairs consists of is a lot of doors which are locked. The rooms are probably used for storage. Stanley will realize shortly that we didn't return to the floor show. The back door was guarded, so he'll know we didn't leave through it. Which means... Yeah, he'll come up and see us sometimes, and there's sometimes it's going to be now. It is. Of course, I don't know whether Stanley intends anything too drastic. We haven't seen Theodore. Yeah, supposing we had. Well, let's try this door. This one's open. Come on. Sweet. Too bad I didn't use some sweet air in this suite. Hey, maybe they ducked up here. Hey, shut the door, Louis. Okay. Is there a bolt on the door? Yeah. I slide it. You slide it. You know, it ain't very strong. Yeah. Window over on this side. Hey, it's a room with a view. Yeah? Yeah, what we've got is a view of the parking lot. Directly below the window is an extension of the building proper. The temple, this is the time to get architecture. The window. Oh, it's cold out. Perhaps. Hey, what, Joe? Out, Louis. The roof of the extension is only a few feet below. So it's out. Good. It's a solid roof, Mr. Templer. Good. Move over. So we're out on the roof. So? Hey, wait a minute, Louis. Huh? Someone down there in the parking lot. Oh, yeah? And even from here, I can see he's carrying something besides small change in his right-hand coat pocket. Armed and unquestionably forewarned. Room service back in the home is getting impatient. Only a short drop to the ground. Louis, jump down. Jump? But, but, but... And let that man down there come to you. You stay right down below the edge of the roof. I'm calling you. Louis, hurry. Okay, okay. Hey, you. For oh, me? Don't move. Never the least in my life. Keep your hands away from your pocket. Yeah, but they're in my pocket. I said... Okay, okay. I heard what you said. Well, here goes. <laughs> 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 Mr. Temple, you didn't say four and you landed right on him. Hey, got cold. Come on, Louis. The... Yeah, I already located this over to the left. Come on, let's take a cab, huh? Temple? Yeah? A very good foot racer, I ought to tell you. Hey! Not... I take it back. I just gained 50 miles an hour. We're almost to the cab. The light isn't too good for their aim. Their aim could be too bad for our health. Ow! Hey, Louis, were you hit? No, they scratched the fender. I just painted it. I'll buy you a new fender. Quick, Louis, in. Yeah. <laughs> what? Look, come on. Mr. Tempter, did we stop at a gas station on the way yeah, out Yeah, yeah, the one with the flying red horse just outside the city. We should have taken the horse. Oh. Ah, no, we'll go. Those bullets are breaking the speed limit. Oh, Oh, boy, I think we're out of range now. (laughs) As long as we ain't out of gas. Hey, Louie. What, what, what? I just remembered. What is it, Mr. Temple? What happened? I forgot to pay the check. Mr. Templer? Yeah, Louie? I ain't as big a coward as I sound. <laughs> of course you're not. I'm bigger. Why don't we go home instead of visiting that tuba player? Louis, Theodore may be in danger. Uh-huh. And when they fire bullets at us, 
We're not in danger. Ah, you mustn't forget, Louis, that Theodore has to worry about his tuba, too. Oh, this touches me. Okay, we'll help Theodore protect the tuba. But if we wind up in a hospital, who'll need a tuba? We will. A tuba toothpaste. Yeah, I guess he ain't in, Mr. Templeton. Apparently not, however. Hello. Ooh. That's a tuba player? Good evening. Um, I'm Simon Templer. This is Louis. I'm the Queen of Transylvania. But don't let that bother you. Oh, uh, may we come in? Of course. The king is out of town. <laughs> now, there's only one trouble about being the Queen of Transylvania. What's that? There is no such place as Transylvania. You're right. <laughs> But I didn't want to frighten you outside. Or upset the neighbors with your gun? I always worry about the neighbors. And now that you have your gun pointing at me, what am I supposed to worry about? A good explanation of why you're looking for Theodore. Why does that concern you? I don't think I like people who go around looking for Theodore. Maybe they can't help it. It's, it's a neurosis or something. Yeah, I might want to offer Theodore a job. Doing what? Well, uh, playing the tuba in an orchestra. And I'm the queen of Transylvania. You'll have to do better than that, Mr. Templer. Hey, the car. Unless I'm guessing badly, the number of people you dislike is shortly going to be increased. I don't... That car which just stopped outside may be bringing more seekers for Theodore. Don't move, please. <laughs> See anything interesting through that window? Sorry, just stop here. Somebody's getting in. Huh. Both of you stay where you are. And don't try to follow me. Hey, look at us. Well, right out the back door. That's not polite. No point in following her. I'd rather find her than Theodore. Any another room. That door. You still think maybe Theodore is here? I don't know. This is the bedroom. And... Oh, well. Well, what? You, you found Theodore? On the bed, Louis. Lying on a lovely white sheet. Whoa, whoa, whoa. He's been shot full of holes. Mm. Don't look good on him. No. No, he's dead. Thoroughly dead, but... Uh... That's not Theodore. The doorbell. Undoubtedly, Mr. Stanley and his friends, however. Mr. Templer, this is no time to pick a corpse's pocket. Wallet. Yeah. All right, come on. We may still make it if they haven't put anyone on the back door. And if they have? Let's not cross any bridges until they collapse under it, huh? Something with what you just said. Clear out here. Fire cage. Yeah. Yeah, I know. No bridges. We ought to be able to make it out of the building. You know something? This is one time I would like to run into a cop who will ask me, where's the fire? There's a more important question, Louis. Where is Theodore? Look, Mr. Templer, we had enough escapes for tonight? I don't know. Louis, the corpse back in Theodore's apartment was a man named Max Carter. Oh, that's why you swiped his wallet. There wasn't nobody around to introduce him to him. Yeah, that's right. Does that wallet also tell you why he was murdered? No. Therefore? Yeah? Suppose we stop at the nearest drugstore. Mr. Templer, I couldn't eat a thing. That's not what we need a drugstore for. Now, look, there's one up ahead, Louie. Okay. Hey, no, Mr. Templer. Wouldn't you have thought that whoever killed that Carter guy could have been smart enough at least to swipe the wallet so that the body wouldn't have been immediately identified? No. Now, I suspect it was very important to the killer that the body be identified, and quickly. 
I will say aha. 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 This, this makes me sound smart like I understood what you said. <laughs> so now I can be a dope again. We're in the drugstore now, what? Yeah, so we find a phone booth. Yeah, this one. Yeah. And we make a phone call. Well, if you'd have had a chance at least to get a phone number, I would know who you were phoning. But you didn't. So who you phoning? The police. Louie, I've got to find out who Max Carter is. Lieutenant Archer here. Oh, Lieutenant, it's Simon Temper. The lieutenant just left for the upper Amazon. Good night. Well, what's the matter with the lower Amazon? Too low. <laughs> Simon, what can I do for you? Who is Max Carter? Crook, drug addict, blackmailer. A wholesome little character. I see. Suppose he was found murdered. I'd give three cheers. And after that, you'd suspect whom? Killing Carter? Huh. Thousands of people. But the first guy I try to get in touch with would be a little tuba player named Theodore Coogan. Theodore Coogan? Why, Lieutenant? Well, Coogan was engaged to a girl named Wendy Breen. Very much in love with her. She committed suicide. Because of Carter, huh? Yep. So, unless Theodore had an ironclad alibi... Lieutenant, Lieutenant, not ironclad. That went out with the bustle. Simon, why are you interested? In the bustle? No, in Carter. Well, maybe he has a bustle. Goodbye, Lieutenant. <laughs> That's interesting. What is... Louis, I am about to ruin an old proverb. Oh, Mr. Templer, be careful. It's sometimes necessary to pay the piper, true. But then it may also be necessary to prevent him from piping. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Let's get back to the cab. the lieutenant mention why he would suspect Theodore? Yes, Carter was the reason for a suicide of a girl named Wendy Breen. Theodore was going to marry her. Oh, that's plenty motive. Yeah. Okay, the cab. <laughs> well, where to? Oh, twice around the park. What? Mr. Templer, you're not the man you used to be. <laughs> Don't be silly, Louie. The Queen of Transylvania has joined us. Uh-huh. I've been following you two. Well, we're flattered. When you stopped, I paid off my cab and decided to use yours. Oh, cozier? Cheaper. <laughs> Mr. Templer, why were you looking for Theodore? I wasn't. Not in his apartment, at any rate. What were you looking for? You know that as well as I do. You'd better tell me, anyway. You know, you really should have words with your dressmaker, your revolvers showing again. Besides, do I really have to tell you? You were in the bedroom. No, I didn't have a chance to look. I mean... Go on, start the car. I start, Mr. Temple? You start, Louie. Now, suppose you tell me what you were looking for. I'm the one who has the gun. I don't have to answer any questions. Not mine, perhaps. The police, however, will be ruder and more insistent. The police? Mm. Excuse me for interrupting, Mr. Templer, but uh, we are being followed. Oh, by someone else beside the Queen here? <laughs> Must make quite a procession. Louis, can you get any more speed out of this cab? Oh, well, it's a car right in front of me, going slow. Well, you might try passing it. Okay. Hey, he's swinging over right in front of us. Hey. How do you like that? Well, Mr. Stanley is thorough. One car in front of us, one behind. They were boxed in. Good evening, Mr. Templer. Louis will sue you, Mr. Stanley. He's very touchy around the fenders. Oh, indeed. Well... And can that be my beautiful moon? I've got a gun. Half a dozen of my boys surrounding the cab, and you'd better let me have that gun. Uh. Thank you. Now then, will all join me in my car? I uh, think you'll find it more comfortable. Yeah, but I like it here. Besides, your car is black. It reminds me of a funeral. You know, that's a very interesting comment, because 
That may be precisely where all of you are going. Casino, huh? <laughs> Beginning to feel like my little home away from home. Well, I'm so glad. The back way, boys. Come on, come on. You don't have to push. My office. No one minds. Oh, no, my love? I don't mind. Good. Is she going to ask me to? No. But I mind. Shut up. All right. I just don't like to be overlooked. Make yourselves comfortable. My boys will remain here to keep us company. Now then, what's to do about you? Not you... quite yet. Mr. Stanley, I need five minutes of your time. Five minutes? Well, I might be able to spare them. Why would Mona here have wanted Max Carter dead? An interesting question. I suspect he was blackmailing her. Mona has been a naughty girl. On occasion. Then she was in Theodore's apartment in order to kill... I wouldn't kill Theodore. We're friends. I beg your pardon. I hadn't been thinking of Theodore, however. Mr. Stanley, had you also tired of paying Carter off? The tense you're using bothers me, Templar. Oh, stop. You know as well as I do that Carter's dead. Oh? But, Mona, you told Louie and me that you hadn't been in the bedroom. How did you know Carter was dead? Uh, I just guess. That's a very tired attempt, Mona. You know, Templar, you're the bearer of very welcome news. I am? <laughs> then Carter was blackmailing you, huh? Oh, discreet silence. However, it's no longer worrying you with Mona's admission. And by the way, Theodore must be on his way home now, huh? I wouldn't be at all surprised. Although I can't understand why you assume I know anything of Theodore's whereabouts. No? Well, in that case, we may as well leave. Yes, I think so. Would you drop Mona off at police headquarters? Or... I didn't kill Carter. I would have liked to, but he was already dead. My dear girl, I suggest that you save that impassioned cry for the jury. What jury? The one that will try her for the murder of Max Carter. Oh, but she won't be tried for that. She didn't murder Carter. Well, I thought... Uh... I'm sure the police would prefer Theodore. Theodore? Of course, Louis. We know he had a magnificent motive. Lieutenant Archer himself said Theodore would be in line for the chair unless he had an alibi. Yeah, but he's got an alibi. He's, he, he... No, no, no. What Theodore will try to say is that he was hired as a tuba player by Mr. Stanley here. Came to the casino, but instead of being permitted to play, he was bundled into a car, driven about for hours, and then released. Well, that would give him an alibi. If he were believed. But his alibi depends entirely on whether or not Stanley really hired him. Mr. Stanley has already told us he didn't. Yeah, but he could be lying. Possibly, but after a jury heard Theodore play the tuba just once, whom would they believe? No one would believe Theodore. So? Theodore would stand a very good chance of dying in the electric chair. However, oddly enough, Theodore will be believed. Having fun, Templar? First you pinned it on Mona, then on Theodore... Now, suddenly, you're changing your mind again. Uh, what's the idea? You'll be believed because first I shall corroborate his story. The jury could think that you were perjuring yourself for a friend. No. Because you see, Stanley, other people besides Mona and Theodore wanted Carter dead. Let's suppose that one of them got Theodore out of his apartment and then put Max Carter's already dead body in there. That would put Theodore, if you'll pardon the expression, on the spot. 
Well, how would this theoretical person get Theodore out? By making him a fake offer of employment. By seeing to it that no one would later believe in that offer. By also making sure that Theodore would have no alibi for the critical time. That person, according to you, could only be myself. Well, that's a clever theory. More than a theory, Stanley. Carter was shot full of holes. That's how I described it. Yet the sheet on which he was lying on the bed in Theodore's apartment was a lovely white sheet. That's how you described it. But it should have been red with Carter's blood. Therefore, Carter was killed elsewhere and moved to Theodore's apartment. That does it, Templar, I'm afraid. You'd been bright enough to keep your mouth shut. What's that? I suspected the police. I didn't notify them earlier because Theodore was in your hands. What I did do, however, was leave a matchbook in Carter's pocket. A matchbook? Yes, yes. One supplied by your management when Louie and I dined here. I knew your plan called for one of your men to notify the police anonymously of Carter's death in Theodore's apartment. Therefore, I... Okay, open up. You're having company, Mr. Stanley. You'd better open the door. They're calling for you. Well, Mr. Templer, we got through it alive. Perhaps, but will we ever be the same? Is that bad, Simon? Well, I never would have met this Queen of Transylvania otherwise, so... Uh... Simon. Oh. So... So long live the queen. You have been listening to another transcribed adventure of the Saint, the Robin Hood of modern crime. Now here is our star, Vincent Price. Ladies and gentlemen, almost by definition, freedom has been an integral part of America. It is the foundation upon which our political philosophy is based. And now we must reaffirm our faith in that philosophy. This is the sentiment expressed by the crusade for freedom. The purpose of the crusade is simple. First, to bring moral and financial support to a radio station operating in the heart of Europe itself. A radio station which gives the communist-dominated countries a chance to hear the voices of their exiled democratic leaders to tell the world just what America stands for and to bring the truth to the ears of subjugated Europe. To reaffirm your faith in freedom, join the crusade for America, for all humanity. This is Vincent Price inviting you to join us again next week at the same time for another exciting adventure of the saints. Good night. Maggie Morley as Mona and Jack Moyles as Theodore. Victor Rodman was Stanley, Frank Gerstle the lieutenant, and Louis is played by Larry Dobkin. The Saint, based on characters created by Leslie Charteris, is a James L. Staffier production and is directed by Helen Mack. Vincent Price is soon to be seen with Errol Flynn and Michael Entrell in William Marshall's production of Bloodline. Saint fans will be glad to know that the comic books are now available on the newsstand. Three chimes mean good times on NBC. Today, Cary Grant and Betsy Drake star in the premiere of a delightful newcomer to the NBC Sunday lineup, Mr. and Mrs. Blandings. It's top listening, so be sure to hear the Cary Grant as Mr. and Mrs. Blandings later on NBC.
Stay tuned for The Red Skelton Show next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for the clown with the rubber face and closet full of characters. That guy was known as Red Skelton. I think I'll go home. Hey, uh, Red. Uh, hey, we've got a few seconds. Why don't you uh, recite that little limerick about Tide? Can we get Tide? Yeah. Sure. Hmm? Go ahead. Oh, uh, <clears throat> I use a box of Tide. Dirt particles had better hide. Because when I shout Tide in and dirt out, it's the truth. And you can use me with pride. <laughs> <laughs> we on? Yeah, we're on. We're on. From Hollywood, Rock and Gamble's Tide, the largest selling wash day product in America, proudly presents the Red Skelton Program. With Red Skelton, David Rose and his orchestra are singing stars, the Four Knights, Lorene Tuttle, Pat McGee, and Dick Ryan, Martha Wentworth, and John Holbrook will be me, Rob O'Connor. Just because he works for MGM as a star clown and is brought to you by Procter & Gamble doesn't mean he's so different when it comes to buying insurance, even if he is Red Skelton. (laughs) Now, as I was saying, this policy pays double if you die a natural death. Well, what do you classify a natural death out here? Hit by a drunk driver? Is that... Oh, we're starting off with a bang now. <laughs> you know, I don't think I need any insurance. I wish that joke had some. I'd bury it. <laughs> I feel wonderful. I don't need any insurance. But I do have a little heartburn now and then. A heartburn? Mm-hmm. Well, how are you fixed for fire insurance? <laughs> how would you like to go rinse out a few things? <laughs> Now, if you just answer a couple of questions, we'll be all finished here. Uh, first, what is your full name? Red Skelton, that's full or sober. <laughs> Do you have any knee names? Uh, Richard Red Skelton, Oh, yes. Richard. All right now, Richard. Now, wait a minute. Uh, Everybody calls me Red. I prefer to call you Richard. Look, Hercules. <laughs> you call me Red or there's going to be another death of a salesman around here. Huh? Well, very well. Uh, where were you born? I was born in Vincennes, Indiana. In fact, I'm planning on going back there. Twenty-six years ago, I left Vincent as a barefooted boy. Hmm. What are you going back for, your shoes? <laughs> How would you like to turn blue? You have an awful temper, Richard. Look, I told you to call me Red. Go on, strike me. I have double indemnity. <laughs> Look, uh... Why do... <laughs> Why don't you get some insurance to cover that hole in your head, boy? Please, please. One of the questions is profession. Yeah. Are you a plumber? No, I'm not a plumber. Are you positive? I, I, I swear you fixed a, fixed a leaky faucet of mine one time, Richard. <laughs> if I had, I would have never let a drip like you run loose. <laughs> well, here's your papers. Now, all you have to do is get a physical checkup from our doctor, and then we can tell if you qualify for a policy or not. Well, I am in perfect physical condition. Look look at my chest. Look at those shoulders. Look at them arms. Look at uh, them arms. Oh, not so fast. I'm still trying to find your chest. <laughs> okay, I'll go get a physical. Well, I hope you can pass. Yeah? Well, I hate to cheat the company this way. Well, happy blood pressure, Richard. And an open manhole to you. <laughs> Who <laughs> 
You know the kind that stops cold before it starts? Oh, oh, they do, huh? Yeah. Do, do, they, do you get rid of your cold? Yes, yes. I've been defrosting all day. <laughs> uh, you know, I Mr. thought you were a little lukewarm uh, when you walked up here. You know, Mr. Skelton, maybe you should try my cold tablet. But I don't have a cold. Oh, that's okay. These pills will cure it anyway. <laughs> look, uh, don't look now, Mr. Fred, but I think you've slipped your trolley again. <laughs> oh, Mr. Skelton, is that any way to talk to your house boy? <laughs> Get a load of the boy with you. <laughs> This guy saw the preview The Birth of a Nation <laughs> Back he rode for the doctor <laughs> This guy really shook the tree For Adam and Eve to get the apple from <laughs> This guy's so old He remembers that the writer Who worked here Gave me these jokes Had a job <laughs> Skelton, I think I'm pretty lively for my age. Lively? Yesterday you went for a walk and a vulture followed you with a tape major. <laughs> oh, somebody's at the door. I'll get it. Okay. Uh, hi, Skelton. Well, if it isn't Procter & Gamble's answer to Mount Whitney. <laughs> Come on in, O'Connor. I uh, just dropped by to collect that bet we made on the Rose Bowl game. Oh. You ready to pay off? Yeah, the tide's already in the wash machine. You bring your laundry? Yes, it's right here. <laughs> Say that was some Rose Bowl game, wasn't it? Yeah, that old Ohio State can really play football. Yeah, but California was at a disadvantage. They were so busy trying to keep those smudge pots going, they couldn't concentrate on the game. Well. <laughs> now, no. wait, wait, wait. That's a joke I told, boy. Oh, it was? Yes. <laughs> well, tell it again. Tell it again. I said California was at a disadvantage. They had to keep the smudge pots going. <laughs> well, tell me when. I don't want to step on anything. <laughs> Hey, I gotta go down to the medical building and get an examination. Uh, here's a line that sounds like a Chinese name. <clears throat> Wanna come along? <laughs> oh, yes, I do. I wanna I wanna see the doctor's face when he finds out the hair on your chest is a toupee. <laughs> Look, boy, don't laugh. I remember when you had a physical yeah. checkup and they had to jack up your stomach to, to tap your knee. <laughs> Well, you know, it's not so funny. It's the first time I knew I had a knee. <laughs> hey, before we go, get some exercise music on there. We'll get in shape a little. Turn okay. the radio on, will you? Mm -hmm. And now we interrupt the commercials to bring you Dave Rose and his orchestra. <laughs> Dave will play a medley of popular tunes by Ted Fiorito. And his orchestra will play anything that comes to their mind. <laughs> well, that's good music for push-offs. Up. <laughs>
Well, here's the medical building. You know, Rod, I, now that I'm here, I'm getting nervous. Oh, buck up, Red. It's only a physical. Nothing can happen to you. Nothing can happen. The last time I took a physical, I wound up in the Army. <laughs> that was war hysteria. Where is that? <laughs> hey, uh, hey, Red. Huh? Look at that guy over there in the corner shadow boxing. Oh, looks like he's losing, too. Yeah. <laughs> Say, I know him. He's Cauliflower McPug, the ex-fighter. Boy, is he punchy. Come on, let's say hello to him. No, I gotta go up to the doctor's office. I'll meet you up there. Hey, hey uh, cauliflower. That's uh, no, stay in your corner, Bob. Stay in your corner, man. <laughs> well, come out till the bell rings. The bell ain't going to hey, get hey. you, know. <laughs> it's me, cauliflower, uh, uh, Rod O'Connor. Rod O'Connor, you know yeah. me, huh? Yes. You know me, huh? Say, so you remember the big fight I had with Babyface Irving? Yeah. Tell me about it. I don't remember a thing. <laughs> You got knocked out in the first round. That I know, but what I colorful? That's the point. You know, I could I could have taken the middleweight crown except for the fact that I had some pretty bad breaks, you know. Yeah. And my jaw was broken in ten places. <laughs> some of them fights I was framed. I was put on the font. The what? Put on the font. S P O T. Let's not get our verbs good enough for here. Well, your jaw looks all right now. Yeah, my jaw looked all right, except it should be below my lip. No, no, my jaw. You know, in my day, they told me that I could be another Jim Colbert. Can you imagine me? Me, Jim Colbert. Can you imagine that? Me, Jim Who's Jim Colbert? <laughs> you know, you gotta watch this fight game. It'll get you after a while. You get punchy, you start hearing bells, you know. Mm -hmm. That's bad when you start hearing bells and stuff, you know. You were saying... Answer the phone, will you? <laughs> Have you, uh, have you done any fighting lately, Colin? Only with my wife. Only with my wife. Mm -hmm. But um, I'm fighting her again next week. And if I win, <laughs> if I win, I get a shot at her old lady, you know. <laughs> She's wrestling on television. Uh, Internet phone, will you? Well, there's no phone. Well, no you got phone. a good humor man went by? <laughs> hey, uh... uh do, you, do you have any children? Oh, I get that what you'd call them, yeah. <laughs> I have a little boy. Huh? I have a little boy. Well, I have a little boy, too. Maybe it's the same kid. Say, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, Cauliflower, huh? I think you've taken too many punches. Well, I haven't let any of them get by me. I don't know. <laughs> well, after, oh, hold it, hold it, hold it, will you? Yeah? yeah? Since the clock, the chimes just went off. <laughs> I can whip any man on the street. Yeah, I'll bet you can. Yeah, I can still lick anybody on the street. How about that guy standing over there? Could you lick him? We're six foot tall, about 210 pounds. Well, pick something smaller, boy. Pick yeah. something smaller. Okay, uh, how about that fella coming out of the drugstore? Well, let me see. About five foot eight, 165. I wish you'd answer that phone. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, he looks like he's in a hurry. You better pick something smaller, will you? Well, uh, how about that boy scout helping the old lady across the street? That's my meat, boy. <laughs> Here, hold my coat, will you? Hold my... You better hold that boy scout, too. I don't want that old lady getting any help at all. <laughs> well, I'll see you later. I've uh, got to catch up with Scout. Yeah, well, i got to go in and uh, get weighed in for the fight with the little woman, you know. I'll see you down at the gym. Jim who? Jim Corbett. Who's Jim Corbett? <laughs> Say, Dr. Van Synthoscope, uh, how is my blood pressure? Well, that sounds more like my heart. I don't understand, German. Is it up or is my pressure down? Well, let's say it just lays there. 
<laughs> Tell me, do you ever complain of dizzy spell? Well, no, do you? Yes. Uh, could you maybe prescribe something for me? I... Well, you're supposed to be the doctor. Oh, I keep forgetting. I'm so new in this country. Oh, yeah. How long ago did you leave Ireland? <laughs> Look, finish the examination so I can get out of here, will you? Well, first I must check your ears. Right. Oh, now they ain't that big, boy. <laughs> now I'll check your heart. Uh, throw out your chest. I ain't through with it yet. <laughs> Throw out yours. It's in worse shape. Yes. That completes the examination. Yes. If you will come back in an hour, I'll give you a full report. Okay. Well, Doc. Hey, Rod, I got to come back in an hour. You want to go have some coffee? No, I'm going to stay here and read this magazine. This one seems pretty new. It says uh, Coolidge refuses to run again. <laughs> hey, look who's in the doctor's office across the hall there. The four nights. I wonder what they're doing here. They probably came in for a four-way cold tablet. <laughs> hey, listen, listen. I think they're having their throats examined. If your mind is in the dither and your heart is in a haze, I haze your dither and dither your haze with the magic phrase. If you chase around by trouble and you followed by a jinx, a jinx your trouble and trouble your jinx in less than 40 winks. Oh, Salagadula, Minchikabula, Bibbidi Bobbidi Boo. Put them together and what have you got? Bibbidi Bobbidi Boo. Salagadula, Minchikabula, Bibbidi Bobbidi Boo. It'll do magic, believe it or not. Bibbidi Bobbidi Boo. Salagadula means Minchikaboolaroo. But the thingamabob that does the job is Bibbidi Bobbidi Boo. Salagadula, Minchikaboola, Bibbidi Bobbidi Boo. Put them together and what have you got? Bibbidi Bobbidi, Bibbidi Bobbidi, Bibbidi Bobbidi Boo. doctor's office. Are you ill? No, I come in here to wait for a bus. <laughs> I came in for a few shots. That's what I come in for. Well, what kind of shots? Oh, I'm not choosy, you know. I even brought my shot glass with me. <laughs> Willie, uh, why don't you go home and sleep it off? What, and botch up a whole day's work? <laughs> look, I don't know why I even talk to you. Every time I see you, you get to look worse and worse. You just don't look right, boy. <laughs> you just don't look right. I tell you, I see a lot of people in my day, but you just don't look right. <laughs> I've had a lot of queer DTs in my day, but you just don't look right. Willie, Willie, you're causing a scene. And another thing, and another thing. Yes. You just don't look right. <laughs> 
really snap out of it. Uh, why, have I come unsnapped? <laughs> Hey, come on, I'll buy you a pretzel. They don't sell... They don't sell pretzels here. Well, how they stay in business, then? I told you this is a doctor's office. Oh, that's a likely story. A very likely story. <laughs> how can it be a doctor's office? What's that television set over there for? Then? That's an X-ray machine. Well, it's a television set. I ought to know a television set. I'll prove it. I'll just prove it to you. Yeah. I still say it's an X-ray machine. Quiet. The picture's coming on now. <laughs> My, isn't Arthur Godfrey getting bony, though? <laughs> oh, why don't you get lost? Do I? I say, why don't you get lost? I got news for you, brother. I am lost. <laughs> well, I'll see you around. Pardon me. Is the doctor in? Here are the x-rays and test reports on Red Skelton, Mrs. Kent, Mr. Soderstrom. Well, just put them on the desk there. I don't work here. Oh, okay. Well, I'll go with you, boy. <laughs> Let go of me. Let go of me. Mister, would you please hold that door open until I can get my little boy into the doctor's office? Now, let go of me. Junior, now, come on. Let go of me here. Let go of me here. I don't want to see the doctor. And I'll bet you he ain't so anxious to see me either. Now, you do as I say. I know your scheme, kiddo. This is the same doctor that brought me into the world, and you're just trying to get a refund. That's not true. This hmm? doctor had nothing to do with bringing you into the world. Oh? That's why he can practice out in the open. Yes. <laughs> Ah, uh, which doctor brought me? I know who brought me. The stork brought you. Yeah, and then he committed suicide, right? <laughs> yes, and let's go home. I don't feel sick anymore. Oh, uh, what about that stomachache you were complaining it's about? It's all gone, it's all gone. I yes? had a hunch you were just putting on a sick act <laughs> to get out of the sack. <laughs> but it wouldn't hurt for the doctor to check up on you anyway. Believe me, if that doctor so much is laid a widow pinky on me, he is going to need a doctor. <laughs> now, I have spoken. <laughs> now, being a smarty. I said I had spoken. I warned you. So? Well, I see evidently we don't speak the same language. <laughs> oh, there's Rod O'Connor over there. What you say? Nothing, Junior, nothing. What? Uh, dear, hmm? why don't you go out in the hall and get a drink of water? I want to speak to the doctor alone. Okay, I'll go look at these bottles out in the hall. Well, Rod O'Connor, isn't that you hiding behind that magazine? Oh, hello, Lorraine. I see you're carrying a pair of empty handcuffs. Where's Junior? <laughs> He's out in the hall Rod, I want you to help me teach him a lesson You see, every time he thinks he's going to get a whipping He pretends that he's sick So that I'll sympathize with him and not spank him And I thought maybe you could act as a doctor And we could try to break him of the habit Little do they know I'm listening at the keyhole <laughs> hey, that might be fun, I'll do it Oh, good There's a doctor's white jacket on that chair Now you put it on and I'll call Junior Oh boy, now I can get some revenge on that kid <laughs> Junior Yes, I do. Come in here a minute. Okay. Hey, Mommy, you know, you know what you're about to... How'd you know I was going to shoot that guy with a bean shooter out there? Hmm? Junior, hmm? I want you to meet Dr. O'Connor. Really? Well, how do you do, Doctor? It's a pleasure to know you. <laughs> you big fat slob. Since <laughs> when he a doctor, Fatso? Well, I just started practicing today. In fact, you're my first patient. Well, bully for me. Bully for me. Uh, there's nothing wrong with me, so take your business elsewhere, blimp boy. <laughs> Junior, why do you call me Blimp Boy? I call them the way I see them. <laughs> Blimp Boy, I don't like you. I'm not going to mess up your office. Oh, this is your business. Junior, 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 making up those reports. Oh, Junior, why can't we be friends? Because we're getting along so well as enemies. And let's be well enough alone. Well, I heard you've been sick lately. Uh, what are your symptoms? Hmm? I say, I hear you've been sick lately. What are your symptoms? Oh, symptoms I don't feel good. <laughs> symptoms I do. <laughs> 
What I mean is, do you have any pain? Only in me neck, and I caught that from you. <laughs> what do you think, Doctor? Well, the boy does look like he's lost his color. Well, you see, it's raining today, and some of the dirt washed off. <laughs> hey, can I put on me web feet and go wading? No, darling, no. not here. Isn't it beautiful today? See that beautiful California sunshine going down the shores? <laughs> now, Dr. O'Connor, don't keep anything from me. Is my boy all right? Will he recover? Will he... Oh, doctor, please tell me the truth. No matter how it hurts me. Well, let's not get sick in your body. <laughs> Every year it comes time for the Academy Awards, she goes berserk like this. Well, uh, Junior, I think you'll be all right if you'll go home to bed and yes? take a couple of teaspoons of castor oil. I'll drink a quart of it. What? Castor <laughs> oil? Well, I don't, will not take it. I will not take it. I will not take it, big boy. Why don't you go take some? You don't look so well yourself. Why, well, I feel in great shape. Yeah, uh, you can't tell me that, boy. Your lips are a little purple and your eyes are no, no whites, no whites no more. What happened, boy? Oh, you're seeing. Close your eyes. You're bleeding to death. <laughs> no. Now, Rod, I mean, Dr. O'Connor looks just fine. Well, take a closer look, boy. That face is pretty gray, pretty gray. Look at it. Well, uh, what do you mean, gray? Well, it's more green than gray, really. Junior! Boy, oh boy. I hate to alarm you, Fatso, but can't you hear your pulse beating? I came way over here. Lorraine, uh, can you hear my pulse? Well, I hear something. I thought it was the riveters in the building next door. Uh, Look at him getting nervous. I think Look I can hear it now. Hmm? What shall I do? Well, why don't you sit down? Then you won't have so far to fall when you drop. <laughs> because you is going, boy, because you don't look right to me. Well, if, if, you, if you don't mind, I, I, I think I'll call an ambulance and go home. Oh, but well, wait a minute, Doctor. What about Junior? You can bring him to the funeral, too. <laughs> oh, boy, I pitched his wagon. Oh, right now you've made oh. Rob think he's sick. Oh, Just for that, young man, you're going to get the licking of your life. No, no, now suddenly I don't feel too good. Me tummy has to get in. Me nose is getting ready to bleed. You just hold still, dear, and I'll give you another pain to worry about. No, oh, oh, no, 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 no. Oh, it's awful funny that no matter what I complain of, you always come up with a remedy in the end. Yeah, yeah. What's going on in oh, here? We're We're just leaving. Now, let's see about those reports from the test laboratory. Hi, they are. Mm. Hey, Doc, what'd you find out? Was it a fight in here or something? Everything's messed up. <laughs> I was just going to look at your chart. Oh? Now, let me get all your charts together. Uh-huh. Here we are. Mr. Skelton. Hmm? I have good news for you. What? You are going to be a mother. <laughs> Over my dead body? <laughs> oh, my mistake. I got hold of the wrong chart. Oh. Is yours. Uh, what's the result? Oh. If I were you, I would settle for being a mother. <laughs> thanks for being with us, and until next Sunday... This is Red Skelton saying goodbye now, and thanks for listening, and thanks for buying more and more of the Voice Day Miracle. T-I-D-E-T-I. <laughs>
again next Sunday for the Red Skelton Show. Red Skelton is here to this program to the courtesy of Metro Golden Mayor. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's The Shadow, followed by The Great Gildersleeve. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for A Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.